How do you feel about the fact that these are, you know, powerful, influential people that are saying, hey, we've got all these vaccines that are going to be coming down the pike, and we need a way to have infrastructure in place so we can track everyone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Fortify podcast, where our goal is to talk about all things that are hopefully fortifying to you and to your local community. Hello, I am starting this podcast episode with an edit. This podcast episode was recorded yesterday, Tuesday, January 24th. Ashley and I sat down to discuss why people should be opposed to SB 47. Well, then Ashley called me last night and said, hey, SB 47 has been pulled from today's agenda, and that is very good news. However, we still felt that we should release the podcast so that you can all know why there was opposition to this, and we don't know if it's going to show up in another bill or somewhere down the road. So please listen in, hear that discussion, and also thank you to all you who may have made phone calls to your legislators, making them aware of your concern for this bill. Hey, 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 everyone. Thanks for tuning in today. Again, I'm here with Ashley Grog from Hoosiers um, for Medical Liberty, and we are going to recap SB 47. So, Ashley, if you just want to give a quick recap of what it is, and then I'm going to play a clip for everybody to listen to so you guys can understand why we're kind of focusing on this. Yeah, thank you so much for having me once again. Um, SB 47 is titled Vaccination Status Information, but I call it Vax Pass Light because that's what it is. Um, this is written by Senator Donato and Rogers. Um, and what this does, it is a, a voluntary thing. Everyone in Indiana will have access to a scannable QR code or barcode that they can then use um, to share their vaccine records. And initially when this was brought to my, or when I inquired about it, I was told that this was so that way parents could easily transfer their children from school to school because I was told that it can take a long time and the school won't accept the child unless they have their vaccine records, which I don't feel like that's accurate or reasonable. And if that were truly a problem, the resolution would be as simple as going to your physician and getting a copy of your vaccination records or logging on to MyVax Indiana and collecting that information yourself and transferring it. You can call your provider. They give you a PIN number. You put it in the website and up pops your vaccination records. So I, I spoke with um, a senator on that and they took that information back. And then when we went to committee hearing, they kind of changed those details and they said it was for travel, which proved my point perfectly. Oh, that the first, yeah. So yeah. they were giving you kind of an excuse to... Yeah, yeah. So this is how politics works. They're going to change their angle and they're going to change their story, but they really damage themselves because they showed their hand. They show that that's what this is. This is to participate in a vaccine passport program and your tax dollars will go to towards generating those QR codes. And then we have to think about all the implications that come with that. And that's okay. what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So what I want to do now, because people can think, oh my gosh, you know, you guys, this is such a simple little thing. It's just a QR code. What's the big deal? And we get that. However, 
everything everything has a starting point. So I want to just play. It's a 33-second clip um, from last week's um, World Economic Forum meeting in Davos, Switzerland. And this is Tony Blair speaking. And he's talking about all the vaccines that are coming down the pike and how we need a vaccine passport. So let me just play that here. Because in the end, you, 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 you need the data. You need to know who's been vaccinated and who hasn't been. Some of the vaccines that will come on down the line will be multiple, will be multiple shots. So you've got to have, for, for reasons to do with the healthcare more generally, but certainly for uh, a pandemic or for, um, for, for vaccines, you've got to have a proper digital infrastructure. And many countries don't have that. In fact, most countries don't have that. So again, you've got to say, okay, who are the people that can make this happen? How do you get the right partnerships in place? Okay, so how, I mean, for anybody who's listening, how do you feel about the fact that these are, you know, powerful, influential people that are saying, hey, we've got all these vaccines that are going to be coming down the pike, and we need a way to have infrastructure in place so we can track everyone to, you know, so whether you can go here, or you can go there, you can't. Uh, listeners, are you ready to have to take every vaccine that's coming down the pike that Tony Blair is stating here? And so anyway, Ashley, take it from there. Yeah, I think it's really important. I think we really need to understand what it means by the vaccines of the future, because we already have seen the growth of the adult schedule, the need to, you know, resubmit to MMR and DTaP. Like if you want to see your grandkids, you got to get vaccinated for pertussis. Well, that's a three in one. And what's really interesting, I'm going to sidestep for just a second. So talking to a friend who is contracted for Pfizer, Pfizer wanted to know who was refusing the vaccines and kind of understand why. This is important for their profit margin, right? They, they need to understand this so that way they can do educational campaigns and things like that. And what they found in this study was it was the, the well-off, the, whether it's economic or education, they were the ones refusing the vaccines, and it, there. Are I read a study like that too. It showed that the that those with the highest level of education actually were the ones who were more hesitant. Hesitant. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's true. And so, you know, in working with Pfizer, basically what they said is, in order to maintain their profits, what they were going to have to do is shift because the the number of children per family is going down. So that's decreasing the number of people that they can get vaccines into. And so to make up for that, they would be putting more vaccines per person. And so, you know, there's also other reasons as to why people might be encouraged to get the DTaP and the MMR, i.e. they're not working over the long haul. They don't work quite like natural immunity. But what they were saying is they were just going to increase the number. The The solution to the reduction in profit because people are becoming hesitant and having less children is to get more vaccines in people, period. You know what? I did a, I did a post. This is when this was on our keto, when Autumn was on keto, and I did a post. It was 10 years ago. And it was on how the CDC was trying to start an adult vaccination schedule. So and I they mean, have. so this has been in the works for a long time. You see shingles, you see pneumonia, um, you see MMR, you see Tdap, you see um, obviously the flu vaccine. I think they're really going to start pushing the whole RSV 
Um, well, they are already pushing it. And they said that months, almost probably a year, year and a half ago. Um, but the point of all this to say is they are going to continue to generate multiple vaccines. And it's going to be one of these situations where it just perpetuates. If we look at what happened with antibiotics and bacteria, we started using heavy antibiotics in times when we didn't need it we use it for viruses instead of bacteria. And so we created these resistant strains of bacteria. How long before that happens with the vaccines? How how long before we put selective pressure on viruses and they are forced to mutate at a, a rapid pace? And we're kind of seeing, I was reading a CNN article and it actually talked about that already. It was really interesting. So they're, they're going to beef this up. And is it a natural phenomenon where, where people actually need vaccines or is it this pressure? Is it a combination of these different things? So this this is going to continue to increase. You're going to see new vaccines developed all the time for different illnesses that you're, you're going to have to ask yourself, do we really need this? Are we contributing and advancing this problem? And then the other, so getting back to SB 47 then, again, getting this issue, potentially have all these vaccines, new vaccines coming down. We just heard Tony Blair say it. And and will you be mandated? You you can't say you're not going to be because look at what we just lived We're, through. So so again, this this is just putting in the infrastructure. We've created this problem with RSV. It, and this CNN article said point blank. I need to find it again, but it said point blank that it was because of the lockdowns that we have such severe cases of RSV. And and so we've already started creating this problem. How long before we have an increasing number of vaccines that are required to maintain public health because we caused, we created this problem. And if you go back to um, the Global Vaccine Safety Summit in 2019, they talked about how we've pretty much backed ourselves into a corner and are vaccine dependent because there is no natural immunity to the illnesses that we vaccinate for. So we okay. We've already created this. This Well, we don't want to give the impression that, okay, people, now you must be vaccinated because we're vaccine dependent. We don't want to. That, that's what they are saying. I'm I not know, saying but, that. But, but that's simply not true. There are ways to treat these illnesses. Yes. 100%. As we all know that there were many ways to treat COVID and people died unnecessarily because we couldn't treat them. But okay, yeah. so, so getting back to SP 47. So we have all these vaccines coming down the pike, as you say, they're going to be required. And now how do public health officials enforce that? We already saw with COVID vaccine passports that your free movement would be limited by your papers by by showing your vaccine status or in this case you know this is a qr code so now they that's what's interesting so when when we got into testimony and they talked about it there was discussion and, and there didn't seem to be a consensus and i believe that tomorrow the health department is supposed to be there to explain this is this going to be a digital thing on your phone or is this going to be a piece of paper and it was really interesting to hear they were not understanding each other. The senators were not understanding each other at all because some were saying, no, that this is going to be digital. So then they would have to access, this is the way I envision it, you're going to have to access MyVax Indiana to get your QR code anyway. So if you can't get into that system where you can see your current paper records, then you're not going to be able to get in that system to get your QR code. So it's really funny how they can't walk through these steps. Like this is pretty basic. Like 
when you're implementing a project, you got to have throughput. Like you have to make sure that there aren't significant barriers that are impeding your ability to be effective in your goal. And then uh, Senator Rogers was arguing back and forth and she's like, well, why does it matter if they send me a QR code versus my records? And I'm like, you're right. It doesn't matter. So you can get your records and you can take them to a third party and get your vaccine passport if you want. But our tax dollars do not need to be supporting and our state government does not need to institute and be part of a vaccine passport system. Everything always comes down to, well, this is for convenience mm-hmm. and well, what are you willing to give up? Oh, well, and it's for your safety and going back to, well, no, no, it's not. Yeah. And we, we saw it again and again through the last two and a half years. They'll just, it's, oh, oh, we're just going to shut down here for a couple of weeks. Oh, oh, we can just, it's just going to be these stores. Oh no, you can't go to the gym. No, you can't go to church. No. Oh, well now, now it's just, just this pat. It's just getting this vaccine. Oh, well, it's just getting another vaccine. Oh, well now we have to mandate it. And oh, now you need to have the boosters. Yeah. It's not just and my anything. My point was, as soon as we institute something like this, it it this is enabling the 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 state government is enabling private businesses to be their henchmen. Essentially, the the government will say the CDC, the WHO, and I think we're going to play a clip from um, an interview that Charles Bookwalter. Yeah, did. let me know when you want to play. Do you want to do that now? Um, let me give some background first, okay. because. Um, Senator Liz Brown was really just like going after us. And what we saw during COVID yeah. was the, the pass the buck strategy, the, the government using businesses to implement this and the who and the CDC would make these recommendations. Okay. You can only have 25 people in a, a place, a business together. Oh, you can have 50 and they all have to be vaccinated or, or whatever the rules were. And it would be passed down from the CDC, the WHO, and go through. And Charles kind of explains this really perfectly. Um, but we're we're putting the system in place. Our our state passed um, a vaccine passport ban, is what they called it. But it really said that the state will not institute a vaccine passport system. I don't know how this is can be this can be any different because they're providing the vaccine passport. And then it's going to come down. It's going to be passed down through the CDC. And they're going to say businesses can only allow this many people who are vaccinated in. And so those businesses are going to be required to follow the, the regulations put down by the CDC or the State Department of Health to, to get that vaccine passport. Well, and you can't argue with it because the state is providing the means to do it. So it's kind of like this weird. It is. It's, it's almost clandestine. I mean, it's. <sighs> I don't know how to, it's everybody passing the buck and contributing, but nobody holds the blame. And yeah. we'll go ahead and play that. Okay. Clip. So yeah. And this is Charles Bookwalter. Okay. And this is from, um, you guys. This were- is last Wednesday after testimony for SB 74 or 47, excuse me. And we're just kind of talking about this. This is about what Senator Liz Brown had said and the way she was kind of going after us after testimony. Okay. Then we'll start it now. If you all remember, and I was working in the OR at the time that this happened, the doctors who suggested a vaccine and vaccine mandates and lockdowns deferred to the county health department. 
the county health department deferred to the state health department. The state health department deferred to the CDC, and the CDC deferred to the, H, the WHO. There's no accountability along that line, so they can continue to pass the buck and say, well, we didn't, it wasn't me it, that it, said it this. It wasn't us. We had wasn't no us. control. Right. And so that's kind of what she was doing at the same time. Mm-hmm. She was kind of saying, well, like, hey, this is just third party. We're not going to do anything. It's not us. It's, it's deferring, and I think it's being disingenuous. Yeah, it, it was pretty terrible. She doesn't see that threat. And, and that's what we watched we, all through COVID. We watched them. We watched the government and whatever powers that be that you'll say, whether it's who or somebody else. The way that they trickled this down and nobody wanted to stop it. And that's just it. Nobody wants to, nobody's saying, no, we're just not going to go this route. Yeah, and it's just, an, it's just the way to implement it. And it was interesting because I had said in my testimony multiple times, people can go get these through, like our state does not have to do it. They can get it through a different company. And the gentleman they had come testify, there was three of us us that testified. It was myself, Charles Bookwalter, who's obviously, you know, of the same mindset. And then this gentleman who came and his testimony was all about how he needed a scannable QR code to go on this trip. And he was going to three countries and Egypt required it. It stayed on there. So he he was for this. He wanted this. Yeah. So he said, oh, I needed it for... I needed it for Egypt, and I I couldn't get it. The state couldn't do it. I got onto MyVax Indiana. I couldn't print my transcripts or my um, vaccine records, which I thought that was funny, and I went and researched, and I had told you this. I, I pulled up MyVax Indiana and pulled my family up, and I was able. There's a print icon right there to hit print, and you can print your vaccine record as a PDF. You can also download it. So the capability of of that is there. You can easily access your your records simply by getting a pin from your provider or from your county health department. So the gentleman went on to say that because he couldn't access it through MyVax Indiana, he had to go down to the health department and the health department was able to give him his vaccine record. He ended up going on his trip and Egypt didn't even require it. So he got in and he proved our point that you don't really need Like, if you have your vaccine records, you don't really need the QR code, the scannable piece to get in. And and so it was amazing. Like, they really had nothing to say after that. What could they say? Because they legitimately just said that they could get it somewhere else. And it was funny because um, a senator spoke up, and, and he's like, you know, I've traveled all over the place, and I didn't need it. He goes, but I was able to go to CVS, and they were able to give me my QR code from my records. And so you can get these through other entities. It's available. It's not like it's a huge inconvenience for people. You can get your paper records. You can get um, QR code from another entity. So our government, our state government does not need to participate in this. They are going back on what they said when they said the government cannot issue a vaccine passport because that's what this is. That is the only purpose for this is so that way you can travel, you can access places that are are requiring this, and they are contributing to the development of vaccine passports. Well, and, and the infrastructure there. And I get it. I get the people are thinking this is like no big deal and it's just, you know, this is I don't con- think they are. Well, yeah, I, I mean, those that want this, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, oh, so yeah. To, to clarify. And, I mean, part of it is just we, we kind of all have to wake up and say, 
what are we trading for convenience? Um, and we just see like today what's in front of us, you know, and we're not seeing, well, where are we? Fi- and that's the nature of all technology. I mean, we know, oh my goodness, the, the technological landscape in front of us, but yeah, we just, we just need to think about this. And as I said, when I heard the, um, Tony Blair speak last week, I'm like, oh, great. He, he's talking that there's going to be multiple, you know, coming down. It's just like, is everybody ready for that? So let's dig the next layer deep, deeper. And we had talked about privacy in one of the comments during testimony that, that was made is that our records are better off with the government <laughs> than with anybody else. And so we should be trusting the government with our information because they are going to do a great job yeah. with that. What could go wrong when the, the, the world government has all of our information? Well, and, and that's what you and I had, had talked about beforehand. And I think that's something that we really need to address with people is because, you know, you have the right to share your records. Yeah. You have the right to access your records. But do you know who and how you are sharing your records with when you go to Egypt and you scan your vaccine passport. You've done that willingly. Do you know if they're saving that or sharing it with anyone? Is this contributing to something like, I don't know, maybe a data lake? Have we heard that term before? Data lake? Oh, a data lake. A data lake. That's what our lovely CDC is calling the, it's not a national vaccine registry, but it's a data lake. Oh. So could there potentially be, what are you consenting to when you share your vaccine records with a foreign country? You know, what kind of readers are they using? Is this a certain system that then shares it back? Because you voluntarily given your records over. Where are those being stored and who are they being shared with? And does this contribute to a global data lake? Right. And, and I mean, come on, this, none of this is conspiracy anymore. We all know. This is their plan. They've <laughs> we told all, us. We all know. I mean, the whole world could watch the World Economic Meeting last, last week when all the heads. I mean, it, I mean it's, all, it's all out there. You know, but most people, again, we're just too busy. It's just like, whatever, whatever. I don't really Comply care. Comply for convenience. Yes. And, and, and that's what will happen, you know, unless people, unless people say no, no, unless enough people say no, it, I'm going to do, you know, I am not going to comply just for com- convenience. And we can't be, like I was talking with Throughput earlier about this program. You got to think about the steps and what's going to happen next. And another point that Charles made in that interview, and this is up on Facebook and our blog. Yes, it's on Hoosiers for Medical. I'll put the link up. I watched it last night. But that was the other point that Charles had made is, is they're not thinking about what the future is holding. They're not thinking about how this is going to be morphed or used in the future. And he made the example, he was riding down on the elevator with um, former Senator Luke Kenley, who is part of this whole Governor's Public oh, Health Commission. Oh, right, right, right. And he, yeah. and he added, he's like, give me one example where this has morphed into something bad. And he, Charles Bookwalter, ran or attempted to run for federal over Congress and was kicked off the ballot because he'd only voted in one primary. And 
And he brought that example up. And he goes, well, that doesn't count. And I'm done. I can't remember what exactly he said. Go back and watch it. But he basically dismissed him and like stormed out of the elevator. They're not thinking about what's going to happen in the future and how this is going to change. And we're seeing this with other bills. Ashley, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. You People, Hoosiers for Medical Liberty is all volunteer. And um, there are so many people out there who just are looking out for you and your freedom. And so please go over to Hoosiers for Medical Liberty. Please sign up to be, what is it, 10 bucks to be a member? Yeah, I mean, you can donate. Oh, yeah, just donate. I mean, the work, the, the hours and hours and hours that are spent on just keeping everybody free. I just really appreciate all that you do. And we're literally spending thousands of dollars to send out the text messages and put out the education and all those things. So you guys, by donating, whether that's one time or monthly, you are doing that. So thank you so much. All right, folks, until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to check out the show notes for helpful links discussed in today's episode. Until next time, may you be a fortifier to the world around you.